Live from San Diego, California, we go live to the newsroom with your host for Nick's Nerd. Well, howdy doody there, friends. Another week goes by as we get closer and closer to summer. That's that's happening, right? Well, normally we'd be counting down the weeks to E3. Unfortunately, that's not happening anymore. But hopefully at the same time, we will have some other major game announcements coming in, in the weeks ahead. Uh, got some news to, to tell you about here. Anyway, it is me, your host, Nick. The one constant you might have in your life right now, which is always a good thing. It is uh, Monday, actually. Normally I record on, on Sunday nights, you know, just to cover up the week. Well, it's Monday. I decided to, to hold off a bit so I could watch uh, Clone Wars last night instead of today. So I could watch the season finale of Westworld to talk about for you guys. And, of course, Rick and Morty. It is Star Wars Day, May the 4th. May the 4th be with you. Um, when you're listening to this on Wednesday, though, it will not be May, May the 4th. As always, I do encourage you guys to uh, check out the show. So like and subscribe, you know. But don't if you don't want to. I'm not going to force you. That's uh, your prerogative to do that if you like. Because, hey, if you get more people to listen, I might be able to beef up what I do on a weekly basis. Who knows? Anyway, let's get into what you're all really here for, and that's to listen to me talk about nonsense on the internet. <laughs> anyway, anyway, how about this? You guys still playing PUBG? I'm sure there's a lot of people somewhere out there. Well, uh, PUBG Corp has announced that they are adding bots to both PlayStation and Xbox when it comes to playing online, so if you can't fill a lobby, I guess there's going to be bots. I don't know how that's going to play into the whole battle royale, battle royale dynamic, but who knows? We'll see. So if you're still playing that, now's your chance to uh, maybe get higher up in the list than, than you might have expected. Anyway, if you've been holding out hope for The Last of Us 2, well... You might not be too happy because major leaks have come out. Uh, unfortunately, someone claiming to be an employee said they leaked it. Turns out he was lying and it wasn't necessarily someone who worked for them. So a co-worker wasn't betraying his other co-worker. So that's nice. But still, uh, be wary of online posts as they may contain major spoilers for The Last of Us 2. Last week, we reported that the WWE 2K franchise was taking a break this year, as it would not be coming out in what you'd expect it to be. Well, we finally know the news of what is actually happening. Uh, 2K has announced their new Battlegrounds, or excuse me, arcade-style WWE 2K Battlegrounds as the normal one, like I said, will take a year off. And this game is very interesting looking. Uh, it is very arcadey, very cartoony. And this game will release in the fall. 
And it says favorite wrestlers from across eras in over-the-top superstar designs, which is always whatever. Uh, 2K says it's focusing on social pickup and play fun. I guess so you can just hop right in. Uh, per them, we are applying what we've learned to the next WWE 2K simulation with a renewed focus on quality and fun. As part of that commitment, we are extending the production timeline and will not be releasing a WWE 2K simulation game in fiscal year 2021. Uh, which is why they're now rela releasing their Battlegrounds game. Uh, looks pretty interesting. You can throw uh, wrestlers into the mouth of an alligator. And they got like big head mode is back, you know, because uh, that was a thing back in the THQ days. I'm throwing it way back there. Uh, very cartoony, like I said. It's got wrestlers from all eras. And uh, it's got female wrestlers as well. The Rock is in it, so there you go. John Cena. And it's very interesting looking. It says Brawl without... What is this? Brawl... Okay, that's a very... Brawl without limits, per the ad. That was a very long break in between. Uh, there's interesting, like, battle effects and stuff like this and power-ups. So, check out the trailer. This is very much not a sim game like you're used to when it comes to WWE. If you guys were big fans of the Brothers in Arms franchise, well, your fandom can continue as it has been announced that it is getting a TV show adaptation. Which, like, how can you even compete with Band of Brothers at this point? This is a very interesting development, if you will. It will follow a team of eight soldiers on a mission to rescue their colonel from the Nazis before they discover D-Day plans. Uh, we'll focus on both sides of the war. And uh, per Randy Pitchford and Gearbox, uh, he told The Hollywood Reporter... I love the stories we told in the games, and we do have more stories to tell, but a TV show lets us explore this subject matter and the effect on the relationships and people in broader ways. The story we ended up using has never been dramatized on TV. Almost 800 U.S. servicemen were killed, and it had to be covered up because the Allies were preparing for the real Normandy invasion. The series has only just been put into pre-production, and so the hunt is currently on for directors and a broadcast partner. While casting won't be settled for some time... Uh... So that's all per Randy Pitchford. And this is this is my issue. While yes, Brothers in Arms was a fun game, it will almost certainly and automatically be uh, compared to Brothers in, or Brothers in Arms. It will automatically and most certainly be compared to Band of Brothers when it releases. Because when it comes to the like shows about soldiers in World War II and like D-Day situations or even pre-D-Day Band of Brothers, which is considered one of the greatest war stories told on TV ever, and then Saving Private Ryan. So automatically it's going to be, even though it might be different and it's a story that's never been told, it's automatically going to have this extremely hard, high bar that people are going to be putting up against it. And that's unfortunate and again... We're, what, almost 20 years removed from when Band of Brothers was on TV? Probably even more at this point. But w you have to realize that sometimes, sometimes, if you're going to do a show like this, you need to make sure that you go all out and that it will not be compared to 
uh, it, so it's a 2001 Band of Brothers, it will not be able to be automatically just thrown away as a, as a cheap knockoff of Band, uh, Band of Brothers. If they're going to make a Brothers in Arms show, they need to make sure that balls to the wall go all out so that it does not face the uh, undue criticism if it doesn't have to. And unfortunately, it's going to face those hurdles unless it's good. That, that's all I'm going to say. It has to be good. It can't be mediocre. It, it, it definitely can't be bad. It has to be great or better. Otherwise, it will just get shit on by everyone. And that's almost guaranteed. Almost guaranteed. Uh, so, yeah. I don't know what Randy Pitchford is thinking. Just focus on the Borderlands movie you're making at this point, bud. Uh, let's circle back here. Sony has announced new release dates for both The Last of Us 2, after being put on indefinite hold, as well as Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, Last of Us 2 will now release on June 19th and is expected to have a 100 gigabyte download requirement, which is asinine. And Ghost of Tsushima has now been pushed to July 17th in the wake of the Last of Us 2 getting a new release date. So at least The Last of Us 2 isn't un indefinitely on hold, and you only have to wait about, what, a month and a half now for it. So that's that's pretty nice. A uh, nice big jump for them. Uh, if you guys are still playing Battlefront 2, well, updates to the game are now complete. Uh, EA and DICE announced the addition of the final piece of content, which is Scarif as well as some new cosmetic items and things like this. A couple new modes, a battle for supremacy, a single-player mode, things like this. Uh, they announced this as the final update patch. Uh, this game's been out for almost, oh, what, uh, two and a half years now? Uh, anyway, uh, final update patch as uh, they shift focus onto what will be Battlefield uh, in 2021, so they're they're focusing on a Battlefield game that will release next year. Uh, this new Battlefe Battlefront update, though, should make it the most complete game it, it needed to be. And hopefully, there is a Battlefront in the future that maybe adds content from the Clone Wars TV show. And, I mean, it kind of already did, but even more. And maybe stuff from Rebels. And maybe even things from Star Wars Resistance or whatever the next uh, animated series be is. Or, or The Mandalorian, things like that. So, that is something I uh, hope to see in the future. Uh, Destroy All Humans, if you guys were looking forward to the remake of a really fun game from, what, I think 10 years ago? Maybe a little more? Uh, well, the, new, the release date has been announced for the remake. It will be out July 28th. And you can get up to your antics as a little green man destroying humanity in the 1950s. Also announced uh, were the Games with Gold for May and the PSN Plus games for May. Uh, on Xbox side, you can get V-Rally 4 but from the 1st to the 31st. Uh, 40, Warhammer 40k Inquisitor something. Uh, it's a 40, 40k game. Uh, that's through the 16th through the 15th. Sensible World of Soccer, the 1st through the 15th, and Overlord 2 from the 16th through the 31st. On PSN Plus, you can get City Skylines, PlayStation 4 Edition, and Farming Simulator 19. 
<laughs> Farming simulator. It's funny. Moving on here. Uh, Star Wars Episode One Racer, the re-release, has been delayed on PlayStation 4 only. It is still expected to release on time for the Switch. So don't no worries about any delay there. Uh, Reggie Fees Ami, the former head of Nintendo, has announced he has launched a short form, uh, not short form, that's the wrong word, a limited run podcast talking about games. So if you want to get amazing industry insights from someone who ran one of the big three, I'm sure his conversations on his podcast will be nothing short of amazing. That's That's for damn sure. So definitely go and check that out. Uh, also, uh, Game Developers Conference, which was delayed from March to July, has now shifted to a completely digital event, as things will not be getting back on track, as it seems. So, unfortunately, uh, nothing will go down in person, but, uh, like I said, they are going all digital, so a lot of the panels will go digital interviews and things like that, so we won't completely miss out on things that were supposed to happen in March. I'm sure a lot of things will change, though, as I'm sure announcements have been made uh, since then. Um, speaking of events being canceled as well, uh, EVO 2020, the fighting game competition, has been canceled as well. So there will no not be a, a champion crowned for 2020. Then again, they should just host it online because it's a fighting game that can be done with online matchmaking. Jerks. Anyway. <laughs> uh, final bit of gaming news here. Actually, not final bit. Uh, last article before the major, major news of the week. Jeff Keighley has announced what he is calling the Summer of Games. Summer Game, excuse me, Summer Game Fest. Uh, he's hailing it as a industry-wide celebration of video games. It will go from May to August, and essentially it's replacing E3 and Gamescom. And um, he posted a note on, on Twitter, uh, putting out his ambitions, essentially. Uh, phase 1, it's coming, coming in phases, uh, will include 2K Activision, Bandai Namco, Bethesda, Blizzard, Bungie, CD Projekt Red, Digital Extremes, EA, PlayStation, Private Division, Riot Games, Square Enix, Steam, Warner Brothers, and Xbox. That's pretty much the whole industry. I don't know how they're all in Phase 1. Uh, in his tweet, he said, Introducing at Summer Game Fest a new season of news, in-game events, and playable content from the entire video game industry. May through August 2020, and a developer showcase with I Am 8-Bit 2. See you soon. Uh, he also said that... Um, what is this? Uh, playable games will might be available as well, so maybe demos available on your individual storefronts. Uh, you can go to the website, and uh, IGN is also doing their own summer game fest in, in June to, to take place of E3. So if you go to the summergamefest.com, you can sign up to be notified. You can see the schedule. Uh, technically, it begins with uh, the new Inside Xbox, which was announced last week, that starts tomorrow. Um, they're going to be announcing third-party stuff. Uh, it also says, Play the Future, bringing the world together to celebrate video games from the comfort of home. Summer Game Fest is a season of digital video game events from publishers, select playable content, in-game events, and more to be announced. Oh, so that is, actually is pretty cool. 
Oh, so he's just highlighting stuff that um, has already been announced and tying in as well. Uh, also, May 12th is Sunrise number one. Join Jeff Keighley for a surprise game reveal. Ha <laughs> ha. May 12th at 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Look at that, boys. Something's getting announced next week. Don't be sleeping on things like that. But our final bit of gaming news. Final bit of gaming news here. Major, major, major announcement. Assassin's Creed Valhalla has been announced for a fall 2020 release date. Yes, the rumors are true. We are getting a Viking-focused Assassin's Creed game. Um, it they it will launch day one on both the PS5 and Xbox Series X. Uh, no word yet, though, on if it will come to current-gen consoles before that. Uh, they did announce that with Xbox, uh, if you buy it on Xbox One, if it comes out before Series X, you will get that free upgrade to the Series X edition, uh, which uh, other companies have been doing. Uh, some new gameplay changes. It will release, like I said, PS5, Series X, PS4, Xbox One, PC, the Epic Games Store and Ubisoft Store, Google Stadia, and Uplay. Uh, we'll also, so we got a new trailer showing off our protagonist, when uh, you can choose to be male or female, they're both canon, and uh, didn't show off any gameplay, but it is set in the Dark Ages around 1100, or, hold on, I'll get there in a second, uh, it's in, in, in England, and it is, uh, you can pre-order it, it's, you're, there's like settlements that you can raid, and different, uh, I guess, uh, customization options. You can customize your tattoos, your beard, your hair, fin finally. A lot more things than before. Um, to, uh, from Ubisoft, they said the settlement is a key feature of the game. It's quite grand in what we're trying to achieve with it. We want you to feel that this is your home, that you're building, that a lot of what you're doing in the game world is, at the end of the day, going to feed into the settlement so that it can grow, it can flourish. We have a ton of buildings that people can build. Each building comes with its own gameplay purpose. There's a lot of effort that's gone into making sure that players can feel like this home that they're developing is really meaningful to them. It's meaningful to the journey that they're on. The people that they invite to their settlement have meaning to them. Lots of events and things happen based on how you decide to kind of grow this place. It's really core to the experience of the game. Uh, you play a character named Ivor, and uh, we'll have a lot more things to do. Like I said, there's long ships, and um, greater variety of enemies than ever before, they say. There's customization, uh, another quote, there's customization on the character we've never had in the franchise before. The gear system has been revamped quite a lot to really push a balance between having great gameplay-oriented gear, but also the look that players can really customize the look of that gear. In terms of the grander choices, it comes down to the journey and the settlement, and what do you want to leave behind in the settlement, and what kind of impact do you want to have on the people that you're trying to take care of. Uh, this is all per Asraf Ismail, uh, the, uh, he was speaking to IGN, and... Uh, he's the, the, the game director on it. Um, like I said, it is coming to the new consoles. And uh, so here it is. It is... Uh, hold on. They put out an article. Norse Mythology, season pa pre-order season pass DLC and special edition info. 
Uh, the basic game, obviously, is, is Standard Edition. Gold Edition will come with the game and the Season Pass. And then they also have Ultimate Edition. Uh, base game, Season Pass, Ultimate Pack, which includes exclusive customization content. Um, and uh, a Longship Pack, set of runes. You can use runes to upgrade your weapons. And then they will have a Collector's Edition, which will have a statuette and things like this hold on uh so here's the pre-order information if you guys want it standard edition granted 60 bucks you can get it amazon best buy ubisoft store things like that or through your local game retailer uh the gold edition steelbook uh you can pre-order these as well it comes with the game and the season pass there's the ultimate edition which is 120 dollars uh comes with the full game it is digital only uh, and it comes with the Ultimate Pack, Berserker Gear Pack, Berserker Settlement Pack, and Longship Pack, and Set of Runes. So that is not in, remember, this is not in the Gold Edition. Uh, and then, then they have the Valhalla Collector's Edition. It's $200. And it comes with the Season Game, the Base Pack, Ultimate Pack, uh, Replica of Ivor and her Longship, so the female Ivor, Collector's Case, Steel, a steel book with unique artwork, a numbered certificate of authenticity, a Viking statuette of Ivor with a raven. So this time you have a raven as like your bird ally, like the last two games had an eagle and a falcon, respectively. Raven, very fitting for, for Norse. And uh, it also comes with an a Danish axe, I guess, exclusive lithographs, as well as a selected soundtrack of the game. Uh, and those are all the editions available. And announced today. The Ultimate Edition is only available through Ubisoft, though. Um, so, like I said, it will support smart delivery on Xbox Series X. So, if you get the Xbox One version beforehand. Uh, they did announce uh, some of the gameplay features here. Open world gameplay and combat. Uh, combat's been altered. Uh, you get two axes, so they're focusing on dual wielding. And you can now dismember and decapitate foes. Uh, like I said, this will have dual wielding is the focus. Uh, the, sh the shield is back um, since they were absent in Odyssey. Uh, the Assassin's Blade is back as well. They showed that off in the trailer. Uh, so your hidden blade. You can traverse by sea on your longship. You can also spot fortresses and attack from the water in massive raids, similar to Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag. Uh, Large-scale land battles as well, uh, bringing back RG RPG stuff from Origins. Uh, there's hunting, fishing, dice, and drinking games are back. Uh, also, there's some kind of uh, competitive game that's called uh, Flighting, which is like Viking rap battles, apparently, whatever that means. Uh, like I said, already said, you get a raven companion. Uh, it's 9th century England in the Dark Ages, so it's firmly between uh, Origins and what is Assassin's Creed 1, because Assassin's Creed 1 is around 1200, I want to say. So this is set in like the 800, so it's about 300 years before Altair and, and the Assassins and uh, the Crusades and everything like this. Um, so you'll be following the Order of the Ancients still, um, so they're they're kind of sticking with the, the newer trilogy essence of it. Uh, King Alfred of Wessex will be an opponent. Um, he's kind of the antagonist, but not the central antagonist. Uh, there's some other ones, uh, cause we're going back to the modern day story with Layla. Uh, you'll also run a group across, 
other assassins in England. So we're still being the hidden ones in the Order of the Agents. Uh, it will include the map will include Norway, uh, Northumbria, East Anglia, and Mercia and Wessex. London, Winchester, and Jorvik will be there. Uh, it's not the end of the series as per, per uh, Ubisoft, but they're calling it a good capper to the franchise so far. Also, uh, this is being led by Ubisoft Montreal. Uh, like I said, Asraf Ismail is the di game director. He previously worked on Black F Flag and Origins. It'll be the first entry in the franchise on the new console generation. Uh, holiday 2020 release. And uh, so player choice. You can choose male or female. They're, they're both canon. Gear will be much more customizable. Each gear in the game will be unique. New customization options include hair, tattoos, clothing, and war paint. Oh, it looks like they... I guess hair is facial hair. You can make custom Viking raiders for raiding parties and share them with your friends. You get to forge a home for themselves or Vikings with a focus on building a settlement. You can build, uh, build and upgrade buildings in your settlement. You do have to make choices, political and personal alliances, dialogue choices, and more. Those will affect the outcome of the game. Uh, you can... And you can conduct marriages to unite clans, uh, and there will be uh, romance options. So fully fledged, full on, um, amazing epicness for Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and I can't fucking wait. Dual wielding axes, dude. Oh hell yeah. That's gonna be. Perfect, bruh. <laughs> no, I I can't wait. It's um, it's gonna be fucking awesome. That's for damn sure. Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Anyway, that is it for video games, friends. Let's move on and go see what's going on in TV Land. Not not the channel, but just you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Looks like Hellraiser is uh. Coming to TV in the form of a television series over at HBO, but no word yet on if that's going to be HBO Max or just regular uh, regular HBO. Uh, if you're fans of the book series Discworld by Terry Pratchett, well, you're in luck. As Terry Pratchett himself has announced the formation of a new production company, or, or I guess it was already a production company that he had. Uh, it's Narrativia. And they are going to make authentic adaptations of his Discworld novels. Uh, truly authentic, as, as he claims. Uh, and they've striked a deal with Endeavor Content and Motive Pictures. Uh, he did form this production company back in 2012. Uh, and per their new announcement, it will uh, focus on the prestige, adapt prestige adaptations that remain absolutely faithful to his original stuff. Uh, this is per an announcement. Discworld teams with unique characters, witty narrative, and incredible literary tropes, and we feel these should be realized on screen in a form that my father would be proud of, said Rihanna Pratchett, uh, co-director of Narrativia. It's wonderful to embark on this journey with motive and endeavor content, who both perfectly share our vision to make this a reality. And, oh, he died. I'm sorry, I forgot. That's on me. And uh, it says all 41 of the Discworld, it will focus and, and take from all 41 of the novels. Uh, Rob Wilkins, managing director of Narrativia, 
said, The Discworld books are a huge source of joy to millions of readers, and rightly so. Every paragraph, phrase, and footnote was crafted with brilliance and flair, and we are committed to bringing Terry's world to the screen with respect and care it deserves. With this partnership, we are delighted to say that Discworld has finally found its home. Uh, Simon Maxwell, the CEO of Motive Pictures, said, Discworld is a national treasure, and we are thrilled to be forging this new partnership with Narrativia and Endeavor content. Together, we will produce shows that will be loved by millions of Discworld fans worldwide, whilst also opening up Sir Terry Pratchett's epic creations and legacy to new audiences. We launched Motive to make high-quality British shows with global scale and impact, and I can think of nothing that exemplifies that ambition more than this hugely exciting partnership. So, there you have it. If you're a big fan of Discworld, expect truly authentic adaptations coming to a screen near you. Anyway, moving on. What else is going on here? Uh, Goosebumps is going back to TV, and it will include the producer of the most recent film adaptations of Goosebumps. So, be excited for that. I think. I don't know. They haven't said what channel it will air on yet or anything like that. But if it's half as good as the movies, I'm sure the new TV adaptation will be a lot better than the 90s one. We also got a full trailer for Queeby's relaunch of Reno 911. And the show is filled with famous faces and guest stars. Weird Al, Tim Allen, yes Tim Allen, as well as uh, all the original cast, plus the cast from, I want to say, was that season seven? When Drolo Trulio, Tru, I can't say his name properly. Oh, it's, he's going to be on two cop shows now. <laughs> Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Reno. Uh, also, it looks like uh, Patton Oswalt's going to be back in some form. I swear to God, if Nick Swardson's not back as Terry, then they failed. They have failed as a program. <laughs> as a program. Hopefully, I really hope, hopefully, 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 if this garners enough people watching it, it doesn't stick on Queeby and Comedy Central or someone picks it up and does another season because it is comedy gold, that show. Comedy gold. Uh, Jonathan Frakes has also announced that he will be back for uh, directing duties on Picard Season 2, but at the same time, he did share... That unfortunately he will not be back to direct episodes of the Orville as they have decided to only have episodes directed by Seth MacFarlane. Which, understandable, as it's uh, just not a full season if I'm not mistaken. And it's on Hulu now and things like that. So, But then I had an epiphany. I was like, Jonathan Frake should direct an episode of one of the Star Wars shows. That'd be cool. But I don't know if that's ever going to happen. Uh, interestingly enough, if you have Amazon Prime Video... You're in luck, because they have an amazing documentary about the rise of Netflix on Amazon, not on Netflix. <laughs> that's actually kind of funny. That's, that's really funny. Also, uh, what's in the rumors right now is that the boys might have gotten a early season three renewal at Amazon as well, holding out hope. Uh, still no word yet on when season two will premiere of that show on Amazon, as I know they were finishing up production just a, a few short weeks ago. Grant Gustin was also talking to Michael Rosenbaum on his podcast. Of course, Rosenbaum, famous for playing The Flash on the Justice League cartoon, as well as Lex Luthor in Smallville. Anyway, Grant Gustin said that they were in early talks about producing a possible 8th and ninth season of The Flash at the CW. 
unfortunately with everything that's going on a lot of things have been put on hold uh we are still getting season seven however in the fall so don't worry uh they do have to finish off the story that they did not get to finish now in season six but no matter uh the flash will continue for the time being anyway let's talk about uh some tv shows that were on last night huh well uh let's talk about the westworld finale which ended with a dud if you ask me it just yeah, there were some big reveals. Oh, Sirak was under the control of Rehoboam the whole time. Oh, spoilers. But, oh, hey, look, Dolores was just looking out for humanity. Oh, it's some bullshit. It's bullshit. Okay? Dumb. I did not... This ending was dumb, okay? And it... it the Man in Black was wasted this whole season, which explains why Ed Harris had complaints about season three as a whole. It's clear they wrote this with a, a season four in mind. And they're setting up uh, Dolores Hale as the antagonist in the next season, which has also been set up to take place in the far-flung future, which ties into the teaser at the end of season two. So much buildup. So dumb. So dumb. They play these fucking mind games. And... Ugh, ugh. Other stupid shit happen, and I, I don't know. Then they then they tease all this stuff with Maeve in a couple episodes where she's building her own new team of hosts, and lo and behold, oh, look, uh, they're nowhere to be found. And apparently humanity just devolves into chaos because they all found out that their lives were being planned. Like, no, no. Yes, there'd be people rioting and shit, but they wouldn't just start blowing up the city because of it. Okay, that's just not, like, that. that is how people act in movies and TV. They don't act like that in real life, okay? Unless, unless like, the real shit hit the fan. And even then, there's a limit to how much people can take of that and actually do it. Okay, so they just fell into just classic sci-fi tropes. They didn't do anything new, and then they just set up, oh, hey... Uh, you know, we're getting a fourth season, so just stick around kind of bullshit, okay? And, and, and to make matters worse, it was a shortened season. It was only eight episodes. We didn't get a full ten like we did on the last, the first two seasons. The thing, the thing I didn't like the most is that we've left, um, we've left the parks. Because the whole appeal of Westworld was the idea of existing in the parks, you know what I mean? It, it, we didn't really need to go see the real world. Because it, it wasn't meant to be that. And granted, Michael Crichton wrote it back in the 70s. They made the movie and it was all about the parks and humanity's issues there. Did they really need to bring in humanity's issues in the real world? Not really. Not really. And yeah, I, I mean, it's not cool that everything is based off a predictive al algorithm that may or may not be true. And may be taken to the extreme. But at the same time, like somebody who did that... Like, Sirach had real, legit motivations. The man watched Paris be destroyed by an atom bomb as a child and lose all his friends and family. Of course he's going to go to extreme lengths and do things like that. Bernard's story is interesting as well. Looks like he's going to be in season three. Whenever that gets... Uh, season four, excuse me, whenever that gets made. Because, you know, Westworld moves at a glacial pace. More than more than any other show, 
But I don't know. It just I I did not like how it ended at all. I did not and 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 overall season three was just like a six out of ten for me. It was just not. It was not what I wanted, and the whole Marshawn Lynch character completely took me out of immersion because it's Marshawn Lynch, and I follow football and and like beast mode, so something like that is not going to keep me in in the action. And granted, cameo appearances tend to do that in film and TV, and usually they're one-off and they're not meant to be a character in the whole season. It's just like every time Marshawn Lynch was on screen, I was just like, what the hell is Marshawn doing here? And the dude's a funny guy, don't get me wrong. Again, love his football work. I think he's hilarious in stuff he pranks he pulls and other shit he does. He does really nice stuff for his community. I just, him playing a character in Westworld just did not, like, compute for me. And whatever, it worked. I'm sure it worked for some people who probably had no idea that that he's a football player. But, like, for me, I'm just like, every time I see him on screen, I'm thinking to myself, I'm just here so I don't get fined. Like, I don't know. I did like his shirt that the character wore that had all different emotions on, on it and would light up in the emotion he was feeling at the current time. And they used his his uh, football skill in the final episode when he like took some dudes out. But uh, I don't know. It just... The, the other weird thing is that all these people are rioting, yet half of the city of Los Angeles is dead and empty. Like... You, you can't have it both ways, okay? Los Angeles is the, the second largest city in America, okay? You can't just have, like, a few hundred people rioting in one area. And granted, they have a show's TV show budget, but Game of Thrones can have, like, thousands of people faked on screen. You can't fake thousands of people rioting in an L.A. street. And then they cut to showing cities, like, blowing up and shit, and then the city's just empty now? Like, no, no. Bullshit. 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 Dumb. Whatever. Season four, I'm going to watch it when it premieres in probably two and a half, three, three years. Dumb shit. Oh, God. Such is the life we lead. Anyway, what was on last night as well? Rick and Morty returned with the Never Ricking Morty episode. And they went places I did not expect them to go. At all. And... Definitely poking buttons, as Rick and Morty tends to do. No shame there with Dan Harmon and Justin Roiland. Uh, even got a virus joke in, which they clearly must have uh, added at the last last minute to add to the recording of the episode. Which, uh, good on them. Uh, granted, the whole episode was a dig at consumerism and how it drives the success or non-success of television shows. Uh, and the most famous example of that I'm just going to bring up is, if you don't know this, the show Young Justice was originally canceled by Cartoon Network because it wasn't selling enough toys. And it was only marketed to boys, and even though girls liked it, it wasn't selling enough to boys. Dumb, stupid shit. But, you know, uh, the, the cool thing about it is we get to see a lot of moments that are allegedly not canon as they are riding a story train being driven by the story lord, and uh, Morty and Rick get thrown out into, I don't know what it is, Oblivion or something, and they see possible alternate storylines. Uh, there was one involving the return of Aberdorf Linkler, 
Also one involving Evil Morty with a giant army at his command, which was definitely unexpected. Uh, they make a Jesus joke <laughs> um, and show a ripped Jesus, which was actually kind of funny. But a lot of good callbacks in this episode as well. But it overall, it was really it was good. It was really good. It was a nice, solid return. And uh, we get three more episodes after this to round out season four of Rick and Morty. And hopefully the next few episodes are killer as well. And for the final bit of TV stuff, we have the finale of Star Wars The Clone Wars. Which was one of the best episodes of Clone Wars. A solid follow-up to uh, the second episode of this arc, The Phantom Apprentice. So Order 66 is in full swing. Ahsoka has captured Rex, uh, and his inhibitor chip has been removed. And what follows is an epic run through a Venator-class starship as Ahsoka and Rex try to escape with the help of their trusty droids. Then you have uh, uh, some awesome scenes with Darth Maul trying to catch up with them. And honestly, it was so good. It just Rex coming to terms with having to fight his brothers, Ahsoka not wanting to kill the clones, knowing sh her knowing that it, it's impossible to really convince them. There's an awesome scene where Rex tries to, to trick uh, the Jesse and the other clones. It doesn't work. Uh, then there's this awesome fight on the hangar deck of, of the Venator-class starship. Maul goes in this epic, like, beast mode where he just destroys the hyperdrive and engines of this Venator-class Star Destroyer with his Force abilities, showing that Maul is probably one of the most powerful Force users in, in Star Wars, and it's not always talked about. And it it, it just fires on all cylinders. It, it's an, a finale that I very much thoroughly enjoyed. It, it paid off in, in dividends that, that probably no one foresaw. Luckily, Ahsoka and Rex escape, obviously. I mean, if you've watched Rebels, you know this. But it ends with the ship crashes, all the clones die. Uh, Ahsoka and Rex have this touching tribute where she buries all the clones, and Rex is clearly upset, and she drops her lightsaber, clearly indicating that she's she's done. Um, and it, it, it's it's a fitting end. But it didn't end there, actually. Uh, cut to years later, in the snow. Uh, you see clone... Uh, not clone troopers, excuse me. Stormtroopers. You see a, a Lombada-class lander. And Vader comes out. And let me tell you this. Seeing Vader and Stormtroopers in Clone Wars animation style is amazing. And I want... I want a uh, Empire-focused show of that now. It's very quiet. Vader walks up. You see the crashed Venator class you see a couple of the clone helmets from the grave still standing everything's covered in snow vader walks up it's all silent he leans down and he picks up ahsoka's lightsaber and he looks up into the sky and there's a convor which is a bird that if you've watched clone wars and rebels you recognize it has to do with the sister from mortis uh, also appeared to ahsoka in rebels when she fought vader and anyway anyway um and it just ends in silence right there. And honestly, 
that's one of the best endings of a show like in a long time and it was just it was so good it was so good and these last four episodes of clone wars are are near immaculate perfect like i said the second one was was probably the best episode of clone wars ever this was a solid number two i hope they put out a version that you can just watch straight through as almost like a film because they technically just pick off pick up where they left off uh they don't have any gaps or in time or anything like that so it would be nice to have a version where you can just watch it straight through as like a two-hour series finale and oh man if they create more clone wars episodes that would be fine because it could take place before the finale it wouldn't damage that if they do a show in the empire era that that would be great too i mean i know we had rebels but we would need a more serious one i think Honestly, I, I hope they do a show in the post-Return of the Jedi setting. Not not like Resistance, because that took place all around Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. I, I mean, like, full-on, sometime in between, that gives us a better perspective of the collapse and everything like that. So it would be, be really cool to see. But that's it for TV. Uh, let's go on to movie land. Hollywood. Hollywood. How about this, huh? The King of Staten Island, a movie that was originally supposed to come out in theaters, starring Pete Davidson, uh, directed by Judd Apatow, is now coming to video on demand in July. It will not be getting a theatrical release any longer. And that makes sense, as Trolls World Tour has done massive numbers at home, and... Uh, let's see, they have brought in, what is this, uh, Universal said, per the Wall Street Journal, with nearly 5 million rentals, the digital release has in three weeks generated more revenue for Universal than the original Trolls did during its five-month theatrical run. Its performance has convinced Universal executives that digital releases can be a winning strategy and may diminish the role of theaters even after the pandemic passes. God, that's the last fucking thing I want to hear. Nothing, nothing beats the movie experience. So, as it turns out, Trolls World Tour has made $77 million in revenue as of last Friday, as of last Wednesday, excuse me, from $95 million in rental fees. Uh, com in comparison, they made $77 million from the first Trolls film. That movie made $153.7 million, .7 million at the box office. Meaning the theaters kept the difference, which I'm very confused as, because I always understood that theaters did not keep any of the money. Um, they said Universal isn't expected to employ this model for huge franchises, so hopefully Fast and the Furious will not be released at home. But uh, things like The King of Staten Island, which is now going straight to video on demand. But in response to this, and I, I applaud I applaud them for this. AMC has announced it will no longer show Universal's Pictures releases when their cinemas finally reopen due to their decision to release movies early on video on demand. They blasted Universal and uh, will not show their theaters. Good on them. Luckily, there's no AMCs near me, so I won't miss out on anything. But is that... Oh, I guess... 
studios retain 80% from digital as opposed to 50% they take from home box office receipts, which, again, that's news to me. Uh, my understanding was that they didn't. Uh, AMC sent a letter to uh, and said this, Universal's unilateral actions and intentions have less, left us with no choice. Therefore, effective immediately, AMC will no longer play any Universal movies in any of our theaters in the United States, Europe, or the Middle East. And uh, they also said, per The Hollywood Reporter, this policy affects any and all Universal movies per se, goes into effect today, and as our theaters reopen, and is not some hollow or ill-considered threat. Incidentally, this policy is not aimed solely at Universal out of peak or to be punitive in any way. It also extends to any movie maker who unilaterally abandons current windowing practices, absent good faith negotiations between us, so that they as a distributor and we as exhibitor booth benefit and neither are hurt from such changes. Currently, with the press comment today, Universal is the only studio contemplating a wholesale change to the status quo, hence this immediate communication in response. They also went to say that they are willing to sit down with Universal to discuss different window strategies and different economic models between your company and ours. Uh, however, Universal's unilateral pronouncements on this issue are unpalatable to us. Uh, Universal then responded, Our goal in releasing Trolls World Tour on PVOD was to deliver entertainment to people who are sheltering at home while movie theaters and other forms of outside entertainment are unavailable. Based on the enthusiastic response to the film, we believe we made the right move. In fact, given the choice of not releasing Trolls World Tour, which would not only have prevented consumers from experiencing the movie, but also negatively impacted our partners and employees, the decision was clear. Our desire has always been to efficiently deliver entertainment to as wide an audience as possible. We absolutely believe in the theatrical experience and have made no statement to the contrary. As we stated earlier, going forward, we expect to release future films directly to theaters as well as on PVOD when that distribution outlet makes sense. We look forward to having additional private conversations with our exhibition partners, but are disappointed by the seemingly coordinated attempt from AMC and NATO to confuse our position and our actions. Uh, well, AMC wasn't the only one. In a follow-up, Cineworld, uh, who is the parent company of Regal Entertainment, uh, joined AMC and said, Today we make it clear again that we will not be showing our movies, or we will not be showing movies that fail to respect the windows as it does not make any economic sense for us. Very understood. Because people can pay 20 bucks for a movie for like 10 people to watch or 5 people to watch, whereas they'd be shelling out close to 50 or 60 bucks or more to see it in theaters. And again, I understand. I understand that some people do not like the movie theaters. They do not want to pay to go to the movie theater. 100% understandable. But there are people like me, there are many people like me, as evidenced by the amount of money made in the movie theaters last year, which was one of the biggest years ever, that people like going to the movies. It is an experience that cannot, I repeat, cannot be duplicated at home unless you have the space the money, the patience, and the wherewithal to install a perfectly tuned home theater experience in your home. The sound is perfectly tuned and meant to use the space in a theater perfectly. 
Those projectors, projectors are calibrated in a way to make sure that you see the best picture possible on those screens. Most people cannot afford the projectors that are in movie theaters. And while, yes, the seats might be uncomfortable and the food sucks, the experience of a movie theater, as I said, cannot be duplicated at home. And even if you had a nice theater at home, you're not getting a big screen. You're going to get, what, a two, 300-inch screen at most? Not a 50-foot screen that you're looking at where an eyeball is the size of a human in general, okay? It, 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 it Like I said, it, it's just something that I hope, I hope, I hope AMC and Regal can work this out with Universal. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. Anyway, uh, Oscars have announced a temporary change for only this year. Uh, they have announced that they will allow films that were digitally released to count for Best Picture. Uh, in previous years, and probably in the future again after this year, uh, if you wanted to be qualified for Best Picture, you had to at least have somewhat of a limited run in theaters. And to go along with that, they have also announced that they have uh, added more cities to what count for a limited run. Uh, like they've added New York and Miami and Chicago because I think previously it was only L.A. So we will see how this affects uh, the Oscars in February next year. Anyway, uh, Charlie Cox was being interviewed and denies any involvement in a potential Spider-Man 3, which is very unfortunate, but again, this is a Marvel movie we are talking about. He could probably be lying just to throw off the trail. I mean, it's Marvel. Come on. Uh, Ewan McGregor said he wasn't doing Obi-Wan, and he kept calling Disney and said, I'm open to it, I'm open to it. And everyone ate that shit up. And then, oh, look, he was lying. Come on, people. God, don't be dumb. Don't be dumb. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, Paramount has announced a new Transformers animated film. It will have the director of Toy Story 4 at the helm. And it's uh, going to be a prequel based on Cybertron. And also announced... A new Transformers live-action film is set for 2022. This is expected to be a full reboot or something along the lines of being in the, the Bumblebee story, which I, I don't understand. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I guess Hasbro has more creative control this time around. And I don't know. It's uh, interesting to say the least. But we'll see what happens later Anyway, uh, Disney has also announced, or it's heavily implied, that they will be remaking Hercules in live action. Hercules, bless my soul, Herc was on a roll, Paul, zero to hero. And anyway, <laughs> it's, uh, it's one of my favorite Disney movies. And the Russo brothers may be directing it, so that's that's good. I wonder who they're going to cast as Hercules. My fan casting is Army Hammer, but that's just me. Uh, and fans want Danny DeVito back as Phil. Because, I mean, you can't really... The man's still alive. He's got to do it. If you can bring Mufasa... Uh, if you can bring James Earl back... James Earl Jones back as Mufasa, you can bring Danny DeVito back as Phil. Okay? Even Josh Gad is like, I refuse to play Phil. You need to do Danny DeVito. 
Okay? No one, no one can imitate that bald, angry little man. Okay? No one. And, for starters, Phil is 100% based on Danny DeVito. Just like the genie was Robin Williams. And, granted, Will Smith did his own nice take on it. I mean, you can't really... I don't even know who you would get to replace Phil. Unless you did like a Larry David version of the character. And that would just be a different version. And I think that's the only other person I think you could do. Because it would just be a different take on it. Instead of a bald short little man, you have a bald... Uh, or angry short bald man, you have an angry tall bald bald man. Oh god, where am I going with this, Nick? <laughs> anyway... LeBron James exclusively revealed the title of the next Space Jam movie with a hat on his Instagram story. It will be called Space Jam A New Legacy. And it drops in 2021. And that's all the information we have. Oh, nice one, LeBron. You know, we have this amazing documentary airing on ESPN Weekly about Michael Jordan. But nah, you're going to steal his thunder again. And come in with this Space Jam 2 shit. Get the fuck out of here, man. You're not as good as him. Yeah, I said it. Michael Jordan's better than you, chump. Trying to cop on his success. Oh, let me do Space Jam 2. Nah, get the fuck out of here, you bum. But, there's a downside this week. John Wick 4 has been delayed a full year to May of 2022. And, you know, it's expected... Granted, it was going to come out the same day as The Matrix 4, and I don't know how they would have competed with each other to Keanu Reeves-led movies. But uh, the other thing is, Chad Stileski, the man who is works on the fight scenes and helps direct John Wick, is now working on uh, the fight scenes for Matrix 4. So, obviously, there's a, a timing issue there, but it's whatever, it's whatever, it's whatever. Uh, Ryan Reynolds was also being interviewed this week and said he is hopeful for Deadpool 3 with Marvel. They're always talking, but nothing has been set in stone yet. And uh, obviously they'd, they'd have to figure out a way to have that him fit into the Marvel Universe. Um, would they tone it down? I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. But anyway, our final bit of movie news is uh, you now have the chance to get eaten by a dinosaur in Jurassic World Dominion. Yeah, that's right. Uh, they're doing a charity auction, and you can, uh, if you give money, and it will, will help charities right now, uh, you have the opportunity to be in Jurassic World Dominion, and you'll have the opportunity to be eaten by a dinosaur on screen. How about that? Huh? That's pretty fucking cool. That's that's actually really fucking cool. So, I don't know. I don't know. Let's see how that turns out. They should get the content creators in the movie. You know what I mean? Like, get uh, Clayton Fioriti and Best in Slot and those guys. Because they, they, they are big members of the Jurassic Park community. I think they would deserve a chance to be in those films. And it's like, they don't even have to have a speaking part. Just give them a cameo. And, I, I don't know. It just... It's like when FPS Russian was in the live-action Call of Duty commercial. You know, just put the Uber fans in there. 
<laughs> anyway, that's it. A uh, couple other things going on. Uh, UFOs have been confirmed by the Pentagon once again. And uh, how about this? A new awesome Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles story is coming out this summer from the original creators. It will be comic. It's going to be called The Last Ronin. And it will take place in a future New York where only one of the turtles is left. And this is the official plot synopsis from IDW. In a future New York City far different from the one we know today, a lone surviving turtle goes on a seemingly hopeless mission to obtain justice for his fallen family and friends. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles The Last Ronin features layouts by uh, Kevin Eastman, inks from Andy Kuhn, and a script from Tom Waltz. Uh, pictures are out online. Uh, Eastman, like I said, who is actually one of the co-creators of Teenage Mutant Tur Ninja Turtles, said, About ten years ago, I rediscovered a 20-page outline for TMNT story that Peter and I wrote back in 1987. The story was set 30 years in the future, which, as, which, uh, as written then, was set in 2017. Eastman recalled in his press release. Uh, reading through it again, I drifted back to a very different time in TM TMNT history. Back when it was all about the comics, mostly just Peter and I writing and drawing the issues. Pre-everything the world would soon come to know, and about these characters that we'd created and called the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And it will uh, will be really cool. It's out this summer. And uh, number one will be available with cover variants, and it will run 48 pages in each issue. Huh? How about that? That's pretty fucking badass, if you ask me. But, yeah, Team NT, the last Ronin. But that's it for Nick's Nerd News this week, folks. We are done for the week. We are fully into May. It is May the 4th. May the 4th be with you. Tomorrow is Revenge of the 5th. When you guys will be listening to this, it will be May 6th, 7th, or 8th, or some shit. Uh, next week, going to have a lot of game stuff to talk about, as Xbox is going to be showing off third-party games next week. Uh, we also have uh, new trailers coming in for Space Force from Netflix. They announced that will premiere this week. And probably a whole lot more that I'm not yet privy to. So <laughs> we'll talk about that on the flip side. I will catch you guys next week. Always remember to check out nixnerdnews.com. There you can find the show where you can listen in the, in the browser if you prefer. Or you can also listen... Uh, on Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts. Uh, we have links on our page on nixnerdnews.com. Also at nixnerdnews.com, you can find all of our social media hubs. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for nixnerdnews. Post funny memes and things like that on a weekly basis. So check us out there. Probably going to start doing some Instagram Live stuff from home. Who knows? The future is very uncertain. Anyway... Thanks for listening to Nick's Nerd News. I'm your host, Nick. Don't forget to rate and subscribe if you want. Check out nicksnerdnews.com. I will catch you guys on the flip side.